We want to welcome in those uh, center worshipers and those that are joining us streaming online. Uh, there are so many in this day and time as we uh, still work through a number of health issues in our, our country, our community. I'm going to invite you today to uh, take your Bible and open your Bible to uh, Hebrews chapter number 10. Now, for you that are with us on Wednesdays, uh, you, you'll think this is going to be a flashback moment, uh, but we are going to be looking at Hebrews chapter number 10. As you're finding th- your, uh, uh, your things there, your Bible, your pen, your notes, and gathering those things, I hope you participate in worship rather than dozing off each week. And if you'll stay engaged by writing, uh, that may help some of you. But uh, as we are thinking about this revival, I want to spend just a couple moments of preparation and time of prayer before we get to our message today. Um, We are just about three weeks out, and we continue to lay the groundwork for that. This week, you'll be receiving in your homes your devotional guide. And I would encourage you, as much as you want to get started in that, don't start that until Monday, February the 8th. I'll remind you again next Sunday. Uh, we'll be one day away from starting next week. But you're going to go ahead and get your guide. It's going to arrive in your mailbox uh, this week. As it arrives, you kind of look at the artwork and put it aside somewhere safe. And uh, we'll all start on the 8th. Now, I think it's important for us to start on the same day. Not to get ahead, not get, not, not get behind. As we know, 24 people have invested 12 days, two devotionals per day, uh, morning and evening. We're asking you to make a commitment. Now, someone said, see if you agree, that uh, when all said and done, there's a lot more said than done. Can I hear an amen? Uh, pretty good thought, isn't it? And so I'm going to ask you to do some things as we prepare for this revival. Uh, Number one is to really make a commitment about the coming days of making this a time of prayer, whatever that looks like for you. And as we devotional and journal and pray together starting on the 8th, that'll take us right up to the 20th on that Saturday when we begin our revival, Saturday night, the 20th of February, service one. Sunday morning, the 21st, service two. Sunday evening, the 21st, service three. And then service four will be on Monday night, February the 22nd. And we'll close our revival at that time. Make this an important time in your home, whatever that looks like. If you're a widow or widower, do some things to make this a special time in your home. If you have family members, if it's just you as a couple, The two of you, this needs to be a special time. For children, for uh, for our families that have children, they need to know that those three days that our church has set aside, that their mom and dad, there's something different. There's something different about prayer time around the house. There's something different about schedule. That I'm just so thankful that I had godly parents that brought me to a revival right here at Oakland Heights Baptist Church, not as if we weren't here every Sunday anyway, but from right over there in pew number five, Michael Cook in 1970 came and walked this aisle, took the hand of the pastor and gave my life to Christ right there. It was on red carpet, but it was right there. And one of the special things I remember as a seven-year-old was there was something different about revival time. Mom and dad's commitment level went up. And everything else kind of ceased. I mean, we went to work, 
we did our thing, but we knew each evening we were gonna gather with God's people. And so as parents, I want you to start thinking about that. And then quickly, just a word to our men. There's always a lot more said than done. And I'm asking our men to do something. On Monday morning, February the 22nd, Jeff Shreve, pastor at First Baptist Texarkana, he'll be speaking Sunday night. I'm holding him over. Uh, gonna allow him to camp out somewhere for the night. And uh, on Monday morning, he's gonna stay and he's gonna be our breakfast speaker at our men's breakfast. And I'm asking our men, you're gonna be contacted by one of our staff over the next few days. And uh, I don't know which 12 of you I'll draw, but I better get 12 yeses when I call you, okay? Not only for you to come, but would you think about someone at work that you might bring along with you? Uh, this is gonna start at 6.30 a.m., incredible breakfast. We will have you out at, we'll, we'll have you walking out the door at 7.26 a.m. We, I mean, we'll be 56 minutes on the nose. Get everybody to work on time unless you go to work at 5 a.m. and I can't help you, okay? You're just out there, but maybe you could take a couple hours off on that morning. But I'm asking our men, be thinking about a man or some men, maybe a coach that you coach with, maybe somebody in your department at Eastman, maybe one of the engineers across the, the aisle there from you, maybe one of the nurses that you know very well on your shift, maybe it's a neighbor. But me, I'm asking you to really step up, spend some time thinking over these next three weeks about who you might bring to the men's prayer breakfast. It's gonna be an incredible time. We'll be across the street at the center and I'm really looking forward to that. Well, let's spend a few moments in prayer, then we'll get into God's word today. And as we pray, we're gonna pray for those communicators, those musicians, we're gonna pray for our church family. There's so many things we're gonna be praying about, but uh, as we get started today, we're gonna ask, first of all, that uh, as we go into our time today, that, that God will continue to hear our voice in unison in a desperate plea to ask God, God, we want you to do something special in our church family. Whatever that costs us, whatever that involves in us, whatever commitment it's gonna bring from our lives, we're, we just want you to know, God, we're willing and able. We know our pastors are gonna have a great program. There's gonna be great communicators. You've already seen that on the platform. There's no question they're gonna be good preachers. There's no question one of the finest musicians in America is gonna be on this platform, Jason Millsaps. There's no question about that. But at the end of it, what about what God has done through this effort to change lives, to bring us closer to him? What's he gonna do in our fellowship? Who is he going to use in our congregation to bring someone that has never experienced a relationship with Christ to that very threshold to see them come to know the Lord Jesus. Those are the things we ought to be praying about. And let's do that right now. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for these moments that we have uh, in your word today. And Father, um, maybe that statement that we shared a few moments ago that whenever things said and done, a lot more said than done. So Father, I'm praying that we would be doers. We would be prayer warriors, that we would be Bible students of your word, that we would be gospel sharers, that we would really make a commitment to share the gospel, to encourage people, that we could be encouragers. 
And Father, as we look at your word today, that's such an important part in, in the church fellowship is to be an encourager to one another. And so, Father, as we prepare for these days of revival, we set aside schedules, we set aside different complications that could come up, whatever it is that might be disruptive to our few moments that we have each day to worship together, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, as we're praying that you might ignite our hearts for you. And Father, as we pray, we pray that you not only would be in each part of the programming, but that you would be in each heart. Let it start with our church fellowship, this great movement that you might bring about. Father, allow us the privilege to not only sit under the proclamation of your word, but to see your spirit move mightily upon our heart and the hearts around us. Any barrier that Satan, he'll try to hurl something. Is it going to be a weather attack? Is it going to be some community scare tactic? We know Satan will be up to whatever he can do to attempt to disrail whatever the spirit may be doing. And Father, I just pray that you would bind Satan. Don't allow him to have any victories. You keep him at bay. We ask that with everything in us today. And Father, for the marriage that is right there on the edge, I pray that maybe these coming weeks would be the igniter to see that couple grow closer together. For the heart that is discouraged, I pray that this, these might be the days that would see their spirits lifted. For Father, for the student that may be struggling, the senior that may be in peril, I pray that this revival might be a catalyst to see you do something mighty so that your name can be exalted and lifted above every other name. Father, we love you and we worship you. In these things we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. These next few weeks, I'm going to be just sharing with you as we lead up to revival some things from my heart. So for you that need a great structured message, you're probably not going to get that each of these next three Sundays. I'm just going to share heart to heart about things that have been going on in my prayer life, certainly from the passages that God has led me to. But as we start today, I just want you to know that prayer number one has been and will continue to be for our church during this revival. Some of you, I guess, were frustrated a year and a half ago, and that's not anything new. <laughs> I mean, frustrations are pretty common around here. I'm praying that God will change that. Uh, a pastor doesn't change that. People don't like to hear that. But, you know, that's just something that has kind of become commonplace for our fellowship really over the last 12 to 15 years. And so I've just been asking God, God, help our people understand that a church is a body. And some of you were frustrated at my response to the steeple blowing off of all things. <laughs> uh, I guess you thought I rejoiced that it blew off or something, but, you know, there was so much attention about that stupid steeple. And, and, and it, there was so much nostalgia around that. And what broke my heart was the number of people in our community that knew us because of that steeple. And man, that told me so much. 
how Longview in many cases can recognize us for the church that had the big steeple. And so I just coined a whole new phrase for our church and our, and, and our people. We're not a steeple, we're a people. And, and some of our older members especially took deep roots to that and said, well, he doesn't appreciate the steeple. I remind you, I've been here longer than most of you. This is where I grew up. There are no deeper roots than the Cook household. I, the steeple was fine with me. But I just wish Bob Hallmark, when we were standing out there in that interview, would have said, you know, most people in Longview know you guys for your incredible benevolence ministry or the newly launched emphasis at South Ward School or this incredible, your, Oakland Heights through the years, their incredible commitment for childcare in this community, sterling reputation. But along with all that stuff that we do in the community, man, we're just saddened to see y'all steeple blow off. But that's not what we were known for. And so the thing that I've been praying about at really the core of this revival is, is God, would you reveal to our congregation that we're a body? We're the body of Christ. If this building burns down and it's well insured, I hope it doesn't, we're going to find a place to meet next Sunday. But the church moves on. We are a body. And with that in mind today, I, I, th I think there's some important points of emphasis. In fact, I'm not making that up, am I? That the, we are the body of Christ? In fact, the Bible tells us in Romans 12:5. listen to these incredible words, just a little succinct, succinct statement that chronicles that. So in Christ, we though many form one body, Romans 12, 5. And listen to this. And each member belongs to all the others. What a short script of who we are in Romans 12, 5. So in Christ, there it is, the catalyst, isn't it? In Christ, though many, though hundreds of us, we are one body and each member belongs to the others. And thus, there's the challenge, isn't it? The member term. Because in our society, membership means what? Dues. Membership means uh, being on a list, a role. For many, membership means some kind of formalized religious act or organization. But the Bible tells, tells a much different picture scripturally. In fact, when we see Hebrews... Corinthians, Ephesians, we, we begin to chronicle all of these books in the Bible that bring up the same concept that you and I as members of a body, a local New Testament church, a body, we're a special part. We're a partner. We're a member, if you will. And the Bible goes on to teach us it's like the hand and the foot connected to the body, the shoulder or the leg, how vital that is. And what I know as a pastor is that we're never, ever really going to get it as a church. We'll never have value in that and meaning and significance of what it means to be a member of the body until that concept begins to really be ingrained in our hearts and our spirit. And I can't do that. I can teach that. 
I can even teach it well. But only the Spirit can embolden that into your heart where that really begins to take on a new meaning. And so you won't see the pastor in terms of, well, he, he, he didn't like our steeple. I, I love the steeple. I love the new steeple. I would love this church without a steeple. Because for me, it's about the people. Not the facility, not the location, but the heart of this body of believers passed on one generation after another. For me, that's what it's about, the heart and lives of the people that make up the body. We're not a building, we're a body. In fact, we're not even an organization. We're an organism. Think about that for a moment today. And in order for any of our members to fulfill their purpose, to reach their potential. They've got to be connected to the body. This hand that I have, it's working pretty good. These little fat fingers. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't even have much arthritis in my fingers. Man, I'm, I, I'm thankful for that. But you allow this hand to become disconnected from the body and it'll be useless. And so as we look at the word of God today, I want you to know that this concept is what I hope we can walk away with more than anything else today. Because as we read in Hebrews chapter 10 in just a moment, we've got to understand that the early church had the same kind of problems that you and I are experiencing. Now you do know why the early church in first century has the same problems that we have, don't you? Because they had people. And when you have people, you have problems. And so the early church was going through a, a transformation much like our society is going through. In mass numbers across America today, people are defecting from all different kinds of, of, of what we would call organized church activity. The Methodists are losing numbers. The Baptists are losing numbers. The Catholics have been losing number for, numbers for 30 years. In fact, I was so amazed when I was pastoring in New Mexico, which is 93% of the state checks we're Catholic. Although about 87% of those that check we're Catholic have not been to a mass or any organized activity to Catholic church for 20 years or more in their life. But the Catholic church launched a huge movement with television ads across our state at that time, asking people to come back, come back. Come back at Christmas time to Mass. Come back to, to, to your roots. Come back to the church. But we know that church attendance is dwindling because in many cases, people have a misunderstanding about the Word of God and what the local church should be. And part of that is our fault. Part of that, the blame rests on us. we got to be big enough to stand up and say, you know what, part of this issue is because the witness that we have placed out there has not been the godly witness that the Bible has called us to. And part of it is because people have never been instructed and taught. But at the very root of it, most are not saved. And outside of a relationship with Christ, 
to understand that, hey, for the body to be completely healthy, all the members need to be committed and functioning and, com- and connected. And so this early church had some of the same issues we have. People were drifting away from worship in a regular, in a regular way. There'd be other things that would come up on the weekends that would occupy their time. If they felt like it, they would go. If they didn't feel like it, they would go. Many of them were trying to go back to what their parents and grandparents and grandparents before them knew, a sacrificial system. They were trying to now pull back out those old tables of sacrifice that had been put away at the very death and ascension and burial of our Lord and Jesus Christ. Just a few years later, many of, the, many of the people in these communities were trying to go back. They were crawling back to the old, let's get the lambs back out. We need to make sacrifices. We need to be revived. Let's go back to the old way of worship. And there before them was the great King of Kings, God himself, that had come in the flesh to be the one-time substitutionary death for the people all of all time, past, present, and future. And so the writer of Hebrews took time to address this. And today, would you just shot down with me? Three things I just want to share out of the prayers of my heart. Just a pastor's plea and prayer for revival. That, that God would ignite our body, this body of believers. I didn't say the church. I said ignite this body of believers. And first of all, I just want to address something. And, and that is to just make this statement, and I, and I make it with all biblical authority. Number one, be a member. Number one, be a member. Time and time again, I hear people, sometimes in question form and other times people sharing, you, you, you know what, Pastor? We are attendees. We attend the local church. We attend your church. By the way, Pastor, you, you don't know this, but we, we even give to the church. Our kids go to this church. But we're, we're just not members. People ask constantly, you know, what's the deal about joining? How, how do you join? Why is it such a big deal to join? Should we even join? Is it even necessary to join? And see, when the New Testament church ret- uh, refers uh, or, or the New Testament itself refers to the church, it's almost without exception. Always about a specific, quantified location. You go back and look at your New Testament when that word church is used. Almost always it's pointing to the church at Philippi, the church at Corinth, the church in Jerusalem, the church here, the church there, or even a conglomerate, a group of churches in specific, in specific areas the physical body of believers in a location. And you and I both know that the New Testament never tells us specifically, thou shalt join a church. Why? Because... I guess that the Bible just assumes that people would know that. I mean, when the church was formed in what we know in the book of Acts, there was a clear biblical pattern of how that unfolded. People believed, people were baptized. And then all 3,000 of them, and then 5,000 of them, the Bible says, and they joined with one another. They joined in the fellowship of the church. 
That was part of their whole transformation of coming to Christ is being with the people that were Christ's followers along with them. You know, when you look at the evidence around the Bible, you know, Paul is, saw Paul dramatically transformed. What an incredible transformation that was. Blinded on the road. And, you know, Paul didn't go off and start a tent ministry. He could have. He was a tent maker. Uh, much of his ministry life, he, the Bible says he made tents, tried to support himself some on the side to at least have enough to eat and get by. Churches at times could, couldn't or, or unwilling or whatever the case may have been to take care of him. And you, you know, you know, I guess he could have gone off and spent the next 30 years of ministry making tents and trying to win people one-on-one in evangelism to tent ministry, but he didn't do that. Hey, he could have started a well ministry. Maybe he could have gone to each community and said, hey, if we dig down 100 feet deeper, we're going to get a lot cleaner water. And while we're out here shoveling, why don't we share the gospel? I mean, there wouldn't be anything wrong with that. I guess that would have been a good ministry, but Paul didn't do that. Immediately, Paul began to form one church after another. When we look at the very concept of being a part of the body, you see, the Bible compares even a believer that's not a member of a church, the, the Bible compares a, a body part that's not connected to the body and lays that side by side to someone that's not connected in a member and a part of a New Testament church. It's like a body part that's fallen off, that's laid out there by himself, that's not connected. The Bible takes it a, first, a step further and says it's a person that's not in a New Testament church that's a follower is, is, is like a sheep that's not a part of a what? A flock. An individual that finds themselves in that particular place is like a child with no family. Our Bible gives every one of those pictures. In fact, jot this passage down. Ephesians 2.19 tells us, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners or strangers once you come to Christ, he's making the reference there, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. I love what the Living Bible says, I know. Don't send me emails this week. The Living Bible is not a real translation. I got it, but it's still a paraphrase and I want to share it. And I am the pastor, at least at this moment. The Living Bible says, Ephesians 2, 19, but you are members of God's very own family citizens of God's country, and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. So let's read it together. Hebrews chapter 10. I'm going to begin reading in verse number 24. What, was, what were the words of the writer of Hebrews when it came to this concept of being connected to the body? To be a member of the body, a hand, a foot, a shoulder, an eye, Whatever gifts and whatever contributions you bring to the body, what is it about that connection? What was, the, what was the writer of Hebrews concerned about? And here's what he wrote in Hebrews 10, beginning in verse 24. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together. So we're clued in on some of the challenges there. As some are in the habit of doing. <laughs> Don't want to call any names. But there's some that just kind of take this whole connectivity in the body flippantly, 
when it's convenient, they're here. When they're not, they're, 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 they're not. And, it, you know, it's just it's really, really about them more. You see what the writer of Hebrews is doing? He's starting to draw the net, isn't he? He's saying, look, if you really love Jesus, if you're really committed to the Lord Jesus Christ, then you'll be committed to the body. The authenticity of your actions will speak. And so he's kind of just calling the bluff. He's just laying all the cards on the table there. And he went on to say, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. By the way, the English word stimulating or encouraging, perfect context there. And all the more as you see the day approaching. The Sabbath for this first century group of believers in many cases, in many of these cities, were what? They were just, it was just another day. Their commitment had, had dropped off. And the writer reminds us there's some great benefits to attending. Some great benefits to uh, attending. And, 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 and the big element there is what? Encouragement. Encouraging others. I was thinking yesterday about rain. Had a little rain shower yesterday. Man, we had our rain. And you know... Um, one of the things I watch very closely starting on Friday is the weather. Because the weather, believe it or not, has a huge impact on our church attendance. Do you believe that? If you do, say amen. Okay? If you didn't say amen, you, I guess you're unaware that if we have a major ice storm next weekend, which we so often do sometime in the month of February, you just watch what happens to attendance. Someone once wrote the, these important words, for every drop of rain that falls, a Baptist stalls. So as the sun began to come out yesterday, I was just so thankful. But I think about that on the weekends. Hey, what's the weather going to be like? Are older people going to be able to get out? Are our young families going to be able to get out? But you know, it, there's something we need to understand. When we just show up together as a body, it encourages. It encourages. And we know there's some incredible spiritual benefits as well to worshiping together, to being a part of worship together. I just encourage you to jot some of these benefits down. Would you, would you do that with me? Identity is a big part of that. Just as a badge, I, I too have tried to get into the hospital from time to time. I sympathize with Josh's plight, but that's been going on for many months. But if you have to have a badge to get insert or a uniform, and when you and I are apart, it connects us with identity. Jot, jot that concept down. Identity is a big part of the spiritual benefit. And maturity. Maturity is a big part of our development. We grow best when we grow together, don't we? You and I, many of us like to read. I love to read. I just wish I had more time to read. But in doing so, I know there's certain things, and I think you do too, that we will never be able to grasp and understand in a book as we will learning together. Maturity. Ministry is such a big part. One of the great spiritual benefits of being a part, a member of the body, is it provides a place to discover your spiritual gift or gifts, and then an avenue to help you begin putting those to work. And authority. 
the, the benefit of authority, being a part of the body. And I know that's not a popular topic today, but I'm just telling you, if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, you need to be under the authority of a pastor or a shepherd somewhere. If you can't do that here, then please go somewhere where you can place yourself under a shepherd or a pastor under that authority. Such an important concept of development. And then accountability. Accountability is such a big part of the benefits that we have. Friends in a small group, daily walk, the, the accountability that comes from that. And I just want to challenge you. Find a church where you can be all in and go all in with that church. Wherever that is. Wherever God's called you, whatever he places you, and we'll talk more about that in just a moment. And that's my prayer for Oakland Heights Baptist Church. We still have way too many spectators. We need, to be, we need people to be all in here. The urgency of the time that we live in and the mandate that God's called us to to share the gospel. Somebody asked me the other day, Pastor, do you really think now, now we've had the earthquakes, we've had crazy weather phenomenons, and, and now we're having these worldwide pandemics. Do you think the end is getting near? Well, maybe. I'll tell you this, it's more near now than it's ever been, amen? But we need to be acting out of urgency. Time may be drawing near for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to be what? Active in that particular mission and be all in. And so be a member. I've just been praying about that. But also be committed to the cause. Jot that down. Not just be a member, but we need to all be committed to the cause. Now, what does that mean? When you're a member of the body, what's expected of you and what's expected of the body? What is that reciprocal relationship supposed to be? What can someone expect from us as a body of Christ? What, can, what should we be able to expect from them? I'll take you back again to those incredible words in Acts chapter 2, verses 41 and 42. Do you remember these words? Those who accepted his message... There it was, step one. We're baptized, step two. And about 3,000 were added to the number that day. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, step three, and to the fellowship, step four, and to the breaking of bread and to prayer, step five. What is the expectation that we have, at least in our church? And again, the vision of each church is unique, but our mission is all the same. And here it is, laid out before us. Look at those five steps. The order, believe, we're to have belief and trust and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Our lives are transformed by his incredible power and authority. We now worship him. He's our king. He's our master. Every day we're picking up his cross now and going about our obligations, our responsibilities, but we're doing so as a representative of a whole new body and a whole new kingdom. We now represent the Lord Jesus Christ. And we follow in outward obedience. We're baptized. It's a symbolic picture. For us, it happens here in the baptistry most of the time. But it might be in a swimming pool. It might be in a river. But we, at some point, symbolically, place ourselves under just as the Lord Jesus Christ did through baptism. And then they join the church family. There it is. To the fellowship 
And this regular worship, the apostles teaching, there's that component in verse 42. And then what? And then they went to small groups. They went into these homes and what did they do? They broke into small groups and they ate together and they prayed together. And there's what we know as small group ministry. You know what our big three are here in our church. We encourage everyone to what? Be in worship. We encourage everyone to be in a small group and we encourage everyone to serve somewhere, whether it be inside or outside the walls of the church, be in service for mankind, period. And see, this brings back and beckons the question, what is the difference in an attender and a member? Write that down. What, let's just address this question. What is the difference in an, someone that attends and someone that is actually a member of the body? And there's really just one answer to that, and that's the word commitment. Commitment's the answer to that. Because you see, in one of those realms, attenders are spectators. Members are participants. Attenders are consumers. Members are contributors. And in ministry, every one of us has a responsibility, as the Bible teaches us here in the book of Hebrews, to be encouragers of one another. Our commitment to Christ and our commitment to one another. I hate to even look back there. Because this morning at 4.38 when my phone went off and I was notified that James Hampton had died at Christus in the wee hours of this morning. I remember when Charlie and Fred back there on the back row this morning (laughs) when they came in several months ago and displaced James and Miss Gwendolyn out of their seats. And I just wondered, how's James going to handle that? And he didn't say a word. And today, it's just very difficult for me to even get up here and preach. I'm just so heartbroken. Not be able to talk to him. Not be able to minister to him. In these last days in the hospital. And just the encouragement that of all the people in the world, James, crazy, Longshanks, Hampton. What that guy has meant to me. And his sister lays just down the hall from him today on a ventilator, battling for her life as well. But man, he was a great encourager. His best encouragement came out there overlooking Lake Glaywater on his back porch in chairs that looked like they had not been dusted in 20 years. He would just sit out there with his dog Precious and just talk to you and listen to you. But every week, he's just always been such an encourager to me. Week in and week out, being here. It's just a heartbreak. And for some that have pushed and prodded to keep the church open, I just wondered on my drive in this morning, hey, is that really a, was that a smart move? 
There's no proof he contacted here. In fact, we think he contacted another place just by the date and time that they began showing symptoms, but we don't know. But you know, just, just that challenges a pastor knowing, you know, maybe we should have shut down. Maybe that would have saved their life. But I think they would have still gone out to eat every Friday night with their family like they always have and probably done all the other things. But just the challenges of that. So I just don't want you to minimize the expectation when the writer of Hebrews says, encourage one another. That can come in so many different forms and fashions. And some of you, I know deep in your heart, don't think you count. And what I want you to know is you do count. You do matter. You are important. You're somebody you're an important vessel in this body. Well, I'm old and I don't say much and no one really talks to me. And I don't think, no, 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 no. You're important. But I want to address one other thing today. Not just this concept that just been praying about in my heart about being, what does membership mean? And is it really biblical? And this element of becoming, but I want you to jot this down. I think it's important that you and I understand that we need to be belonging to the right fellowship. Now, that may be an odd thing for, for me to even talk about today, but I really don't care because this is what God's told me to share. But, you know, it breaks my heart that people take church membership just at level three or four below where you shop and eat and attend school and work, and then somewhere along the list, it's like, oh, kind of in a flippant way, where... I guess we need to go to church somewhere. Where will we go? And in this consumer-driven world that we live in, it so often comes down to this, you know, well, what church will offer something to us? I want the best program for my kids, or I want the best choir program, or I want music that I like. They have a choir and they don't, so we're going to go over here where the choir is because that's what we like. And so that question, where do you go? Oftentimes people use the phrase, man, I've just heard it so many times. Well, pastor, the Lord's leading us over here. Well, okay, what, what's he leading you to over there? Well, I don't know, the Lord's just leading us. Okay. Well, the past several years, I've heard all kinds of responses. Just ask him, why do you go to church there? Why do you go to church here? Why do you go to church here? I've heard everything from, hey, it's cool. It's just a cool church. Okay. I've heard the response time and time again. My friends go there. Okay. I love this response I got because we love their coffee bar. No, wait, let me get this straight. Did you tell me that you attend that church because, oh yeah, they have the best coffee bar in Longview. That's a new one on me. I've heard the response, it's close to my house, and the list goes on and on. But you know, what guidelines should we be using from a biblical standpoint? Would you just shot them down? I'm not going to spend a lot of time with them, just the W's here. Because can I just be honest with you? Every one of us are going to attend one of two churches. We're either going to attend the church that we want to go to or the one that God wants us to go to. And we hope those two line up, don't we? We hope those two line up. 
But number one, the first W is word. You should always select a church based upon the word of God. And let me just clarify. When you began your Old Testament and you work through to the end of the book of Revelation, one thing that is paramount every step of the way, Old and New Covenant, Old and New Testament, is how important the word of God is. You remember it over there in those first five books of the Bible? Parents what? Teach, train your children in the word of God. You, you hear those passages that are baby dedication so often. Meditate upon the word. You get over there and you hear the psalmist say, meditate upon the word. You get over to your New Testament and you begin to hear, hey, you, we are to what? Bring the whole counsel of the word of God. Every part of it. Don't skip any parts of it. Even if it makes people uncomfortable or makes them feel upset, preach the whole counsel of God's word to the New Testament, to the body, to its members. The word. So is this church, when I leave, do I hear the word of God being taught, expounded upon, Week after week after week. The second W is worship. Am I attending, am, am I choosing a church based on a church that has inspiring, motivating, Christ-centered, Bible-centered worship? Is that worship praising God and uplifting and allowing me to be closer to the word of God? What about the words of that? And notice, I didn't say one thing about style. These are substance issues. Nothing about style, everything about substance. And then that third W, witness. Is that church making sure they help be a witness into the lives of people? Do they clearly articulate in small groups and worship and different venues how to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ? Will people know when they leave there, even if they choose not to trust Christ, they know that through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, turning from their sin into Jesus for life ahead, that that's how they can be saved. Are people, is that explained? Is that put it in a very premier position in all that's been expounded upon in number four, work? Inside the walls or not? Are people being encouraged and given the opportunities to be involved, sharing their time, their talents, and their treasures? I share this and we're done. Last week, I was about to pray with Gregory Frizzell in the office. By the way, Thank you for how you treat people when we bring guests here. Y'all are the best. I've pastored some churches from time to time that, you know, they didn't show the warmth that you show to people that come in. And when, if I bring a guest in here, and I hope you feel the same way if you bring a guest, I hope that guest is treated in a royal fashion. That's so important. That's so important from a hospitality standpoint, but it's also important to what represent the kingdom well. But anyway, we were, I was talking to Greg last weekend and we were getting ready to pray and I said, hey, I just want to lead us in time of prayer. And of course, that's even weird now. You know, you can't hold hands, you can't hug, you can't, you know, so we're praying, you know, eight feet apart with mask on. How bizarre. Anyway, when we got through praying, Greg said, Pastor, I just want to say one thing to you after talking with you last night and talking to you again this morning, he said, I, I just want you to know that I sense you really, really love Oakland Heights Baptist Church. 
And I said, Dr. Frizzell, truer words have never been spoken. I said, I love this church. I've always loved my church. Even when I pastored, I would tell everyone, it didn't matter where it was, my home church. And you know, I, I was just thinking about this prayer about the body of Christ and God igniting us and the challenges that we face and the adversity that we face. And you know, um, I guess with James' death this morning and just questioning the responsibility, you know, maybe we just need to shut this thing down. And just one adversity after another. But you know, I, I really came to the point that I, I just understand, I think, that adversity is the first path to truth, isn't it? Adversity is the first path to truth. And knowing that, I just think as we approach this Ignite Revival, at least for me as a pastor, just praying for our church fellowship, my heart, my wife's heart, our hearts together, body, member, concept, that it really comes back for me in just a simple, applicable concept it, it, it really comes back to how much we love the very center point of our lives a couple years ago my father turned 80 years of age we had a big shindig that's a good East Texas word isn't it big shindig 80th birthday I don't know how many people showed up at that thing I just know it cost a lot of money for the food. I remind you, I have no brothers and sisters. But you know, I never thought about that. I love him so much. I think I, I mean, I would have liquidated everything I had because I knew that that, that that would mean the world to him. Old coaches, friends, people come in. Hey, I mean, that, I, I just knew, but it, it, it was driven by my love for him. I, I've never been to the hospital in the wee hours of the morning and a family be sitting around a bed there and someone's struggling for their life and they loved whoever's in that bed so much. I've never heard any of them say, you know what, I, I, I'm just getting tired of people asking me to stay up here a little longer. You know, I'm getting tired that the hospital's charging us this much money. I wonder what that's gonna cost me. Every time I've been there, in that circumstance, in that situation, one thing drove everything in that room. It's that how much love people, how much we love that person up there in that bed. And so for me, it comes back to this. Lord, on an individual basis, each member, would you ignite our hearts? So, you know, if it's 11.45 or 11.50, we, we don't give a hoot. We love being here. We love the people. We love the word. You know what? If we got to give extra, hey, it's all about our love 
for the Lord Jesus Christ. This is his body. In my time and your time. In my talent and your talent. In my treasure and your treasure. When it comes to pleasing him, for me, it's all at his disposal. Because I love him that much. I love this body that much. So I hope that you will join me in praying, God, first and foremost, we do want to see people come to know you. Oh, that's so important. But God, would you be willing to do a great work in your body? A work that only you can do. I don't have all the answers. Maybe the naysayers about us staying open were right. Maybe every time I wash my hands, maybe some deaths are on me. I don't know. But I don't have all the answers. But you know, a bird doesn't sing because he has the answers. A bird sings because he has a song in his heart. And the song in my heart is, I love the Lord. I love our members. I love this body. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, we thank you for these moments that we've had. Um, Tough morning. Tough time for some of us. Pastor Josh was so correct a few moments ago, Lord, when he expressed that, man, these have been really, these last 10, 11 months have been really, really tough. But for our church, the last several years have been really, really tough. Transition in a church is tough. Storms that tear up a facility are tough. Disease that shreds bodies is tough. Tough choices, tough calls, tough decisions, tough demands, tough expectations. But Father, at the very core of what we're attempting to do, man, I hope that in the purest form it comes back to that we just love the very center point of our life. We love you as our Lord and Savior. Just up there on that old piece of timber, with spikes and ropes as you were spiked and hung. Father, such a a simplistic moment in all of history has changed everything. And so today, thousands of years later, we are just as devoted to our Savior. And Father, unfortunately, the trappings of our life sometimes don't express that. our willingness to take our time, our talents, and our treasure and to just sacrificially give those up at your beck and call 
Father, that can only be renewed in one way. That can only be renewed when we love you with everything in us. I guess that's why in the Old Testament, you trained those early patriarchs. Your first law for them was, you love your God. I guess that's why it was so important that the Lord Jesus, when asked time and time again, what's the greatest of these commandments? You love your God and you love your neighbor. So Father, we pray that somehow your spirit will place on that pedestal the highest love and admiration maybe that we have ever experienced in our spiritual walk with you that you're elevated, your glory and your majesty will just ascend in a way that we feel your presence. And Father, whatever you ask of us, whatever place you call us to go, we will go. At whatever cost, whatever commitment. So Father, in our hearts, we just desperately one more time cry out and say, Lord, would you touch the hearts of our body, each member vital and important. And these things we do pray in the exalted name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen.